Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. My name is Nico Bakulich. And I'm Lauren O'Neill. And let's get biblical. How dare you cut me off? Let's get biblical. We gotta go over some stuff first, such as I'm the ex-Christian. I was raised Presbyterian. I'm now an atheist. And I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. Also, this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. And it's not appropriate for children. I read the New International Version. And I read the NRSV, New Revised Standard Version. Is there anything else we need to tell the listeners? One important fact. Do you want to know what it is? I'm dying to You got it. it. We got a guest today. <gasps> I didn't right. notice him. Mm-hmm. When, when am I allowed to talk? <laughs> uh, our guest today is a, uh, a good friend of mine, a talented musician and microbiologist. Um, I've played music with him before, and I can vouch. He's got the stuff. He's a great microbiologist. <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say. Remember that when you had that infection in the studio? Mm-hmm. His name is Ryan Honaker. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Hi, I'm Ryan, and I'm a Sunday school dropout. Yay! Um, so, as we ask all of our guests, we will ask you, what is your religious background? So, I have a different background, background than mm-hmm. other um, guests of yours. Um, I was born... In Arizona, but was raised in Utah, and guess what? I was raised Mormon. You were raised to be a bumblebee. I was raised. I was a hardworking, yes, um, hardworking bumblebee. Um, yeah, so I was raised Mormon in Utah, and in the part of Utah, well, basically outside of Salt Lake, Utah is ninety something percent Mormon. So I honestly knew growing up one person that I can remember who wasn't Mormon. Whoa. Yeah. So it was in Utah County, or the county, as it's sometimes known. Oh. Um, yeah. That's so a cool I was name, good. Though. It is kind of cool. What's cool? It sounds like a Netflix show. With yes, like, a, mm. like a, an acoustic. But intro, it would be about know? Orange County, not Salt Lake County. So, Utah County. Utah. Excuse me. Utah County. Uh, yeah. So um, a lot of my family is still practicing Mormons. Actually, um, so I grew up Mormon. I went to Brigham Young University, or as we call it, the Lord's University. <laughs> um, and I actually went on an LDS mission, which I think. I know you know, but I'm not sure if you knew that that actually, Lauren. Um, um, I didn't know that in, I didn't know that like in specific, but I, I would have assumed. You would assume, yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, because I was, I didn't stop being Mormon. So now, by the way, I'm an atheist now um, and I have been for quite a while, but yeah, so I served. How's that going for time. you? Uh, pretty well. It's pretty great, well. right? So far, so good. <laughs> you know, there's less to worry about. A lot less to worry Until about. Until we die. <laughs> <laughs> Without eternity to worry about, it's just dramatically, it's kind of infinitely shorter. Yeah. Stuff to worry about. I hope that everything that was promised in the sales pitch has come true for you. <laughs> From in the Dawkins sales pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Dawkins symposium that I went to. Um, yeah, so I was um, um, one of those young kids with backpacks and name tags for two years in Poland, actually. Poland? Yeah. So I lived there from when I was 19 to 21 years old. Now the missionaries are younger. They changed it. Really? In the last year. So now they're they always 18 try to, get to 20. Young. Yeah. Well, they were, I think they were losing a lot of people between 18 and 19 because life is a lot more interesting than being a Mormon, yeah. especially when you're 18 years old. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was hardcore into it. I graduated from BYU, actually, and I was still... Mostly Mormon then, and then kind of just found my way out after that. Yeah. So I have a lot of questions. Please ask, ask away. Lots of people do. Um, I do too. First, I'm hoping you can give us kind of like a Fast Facts Mormon 101. Can you do the Fast Facts sound effect before? Um, do we have a sound effect? Well, I think... Or was that the... At one point, Mallory Orberg suggested the Fast Facts theme song 
Oh, the facts of life. Which is the facts of life theme song. Oh, that's right. Sped yeah. up to yeah. double speed. So we don't have that. <laughs> to make so it faster. no. We can put that in a post production. <laughs> you may be confusing fast facts with the etymology corner. I know the etymology corner. Um, I know not everyone has been in the studio. It's a lot uh, smaller than I thought. I'm, assume, I'm assuming it's that corner. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Correct. But it you is can hard see to the get zip over line there. Yeah, on the ceiling. You got it. It's first try too. That's <laughs> you, that's where the zip line leads. So you can see. Yeah, we were playing with it earlier. Um, <laughs> Nico has it mic'd up really nicely, actually. Um, so, like Mormons. Consider themselves Christian, yes? Correct, yeah. So the full name of the church is actually the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so it was like, wait, it was founded by Joseph Smith in the mm-hmm. 1800s. Right. And you, you, they, <laughs> y'all, y'all. Uh, mm-hmm. use the Bible, but also some other stuff. Right, yeah. So they believe technically that in the Book of Mormon, which most of you have seen that musical documentary about <laughs> at this point. It's playing in San Francisco um, right yeah, now. Yeah, so they yeah, so technically they believe so they, they have several tomes of scripture actually. Right. So the Book of Mormon is the most famous one. They also have one called the Doctrine and Covenants. Uh-huh. Um, which was stuff dictated by Joseph Smith, the founder. And they also have another even weirder one called the Pearl of Great Price, mm. which is a bunch of crazy Egyptian stuff that Joseph Smith allegedly translated, which of course is like ridiculous now with current right, right, Egyptology right. and archaeology, whatever. And then and then also like the Bible. The hymn of the Pearl in the apocryphal acts of it's Thomas, right? That's right. The of the pearl? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, where where like somebody in... went into Egypt to get a pearl, a very valuable pearl. Yeah, which is like some sp- sort of some sort of Gnostic fable. I wonder if that's where the name... Actually, I don't know where the name of that text comes from. That's interesting. It could be related to that, actually. So what what are these texts? Uh, if, you, if you want to just focus on the Book of Mormon, because that's the most popular one, that's cool. You could yeah, also so, give us a rundown of the other ones. Yeah, so the Book of Mormon, and so they also believe in the Bible, but right, what right. they what they technically say is as long as as far as it is, as it is translated correctly, okay. gives them a little bit of an out. But they use the King James Bible. So for people who don't know what that is, that's kind of like the if like Shakespeare wrote the Bible, sort of like yeah. old school sort of. So, so it's Shakespeare been really interesting. was writing while James was king. So oh, so there you go. It's literally like yeah, from the same literary. time as Shakespeare. Yeah. So it's funny to me to hear, have been listening to this podcast because I only know the Bible through, and I've read the whole thing, um, you know, start to finish before. It's really interesting to me to hear your versions of it or the, these other versions of it, uh, because yes. to me, it just sounds so, it sounds so goofy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, I mean, the, you know, the King James version is all like, it's stoic and it classic has that, and like, yeah, cause it's it has, kind of this panache, right? To the yeah. delivery because it's so old. And then just hearing kind of more of the regular sort of contemporary translation of it is, especially all these verses that I know very well, because a lot of the the ones that are famous in kind of, you know, mainstream or whatever, Christianity are also very well known in Mormonism. So yeah. to hear kind of the, those other versions of it has been really kind of really interesting. There's to hear. some like um, evangelical denominations that will only use the KJV. Oh, really? And and they're like, well, it's the authorized version. It says authorized. <laughs> like, yeah, authorized by King James. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like <laughs> It's not, yeah, it's not like God came down once right. <laughs> and then checked that Bible and was like, looks good to me. He's like, I only have one rubber stamp and yeah. sorry, King James, you got it. Yeah, I'll be back in it. 700 years. <laughs> so, okay. So what is the Book of Mormon? So the Book of Mormon is, um, so Joseph Smith, when he founded the church, was revealed these ancient gold plates, which he retrieved. Gold? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, Moses had to deal with stone, but Joseph Smith got yeah, gold. I mean, well, you know, Mormons. <laughs> so yeah, there's uh, 
Okay, I was going to sing the song, but I won't. Um, <gasps> there's a song? Oh, there's a lot. I mean, Mormons have their own. I mean, we use a lot of the you same own, things. Like, we have like, yeah, we've got our own Sunday school stuff. Yeah, there's one about finding the golden plates. Oh, my God, that's so exciting. Um, and so he, so the Book of Mormon is Joseph Smith translating these golden plates. And so they're a record of basically the population of, of North and Central America. It's because after Jesus died, there was three days of darkness, mm-hmm. right? So during those three days... Turns out Jesus went to America oh. to prophesy and teach all the people steam off. here. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> he I mean, he just got, he got crucified, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, you got to give break the dude a break. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? So go hang out in America. Self-care. Yeah, you got to take care of yourself. So yeah, he came and, and taught and established Christianity in the in Americas. The Americas. And so then there's Did he all go to South America? Pro- so that part's a little vague. <laughs> okay. Exactly. So Joseph Smith allegedly, you know, dug up these plates in um, upstate New York. On Hill Camorra, I believe it's called. So I'm a little rusty. I've been not Mormon for okay. a while. So all your Mormon um, listeners can, you know, can tweet in and you know correct Great. my correct my knowledge. But um, yeah, so it's a little bit vague because it obviously the geography and archaeology, none of it really exists. Exists, yeah. yeah. So, but it was about. So I mean, it follows a tribe of people who who took boats over from um, Jerusalem area, and I think it was if I remember correctly, it's like 600 BC or so. So are those the the ten lost tribes? So, yeah, the Mormons have an interesting relation with that a little bit because okay. so there's also this thing in Mormonism that a lot of people don't know as much about. Called, it's called a patriarchal blessing. Okay, and so you do this sometimes. It's kind of vague when you do it, and it's sort of this like even extra magical part of Mormonism where you go in and there's every so Mormonism. There's the local congregations are called wards, and the aggregation of wards are called stakes. Okay, and then and then it goes up from there to like you know the whole hierarchy of it, and so the head of the church is is the prophet because they believe in kind of this whole sort of structure that existed when Jesus was around where the prophet speaks for the church. And then there's actually 12 apostles of the Mormon church. Well, like historically or like now? No, historically. Yeah. From the beginning. So there's like the prophet who's the head and then the 12 apostles. And then it kind of, there's other kind of organizations that go down. And Joseph Smith was the prophet? Yeah, he was the prophet. And then Brigham Young was the second prophet after Joseph Smith was killed. No, but I mean, you're saying that they elect 12 apostles right now, like there are 12 apostles. In yeah, the church, there right still now. are. Yeah. yeah. So there's oh, a prophet. Still are. Okay. Yeah. There's a, yeah. Ever since the beginning, it's been the same way. Okay. Right? So there's so now. So the, the prophet is like the Mormon Pope. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. The Mormon Pope. And so he dictates like he's like the mouthpiece of God, like the Pope sort of is. And then instead of cardinals and I mean, it's just it's it's similar to Catholicism, but except it's it's there's not a professional priesthood like there is in Catholicism. So oh, really? it's, it's all volunteer run. Mm, yeah. All okay, membership okay, run. Okay. So even, you know, your local congregation, the the head of that is called the bishop. But he's just some regular dude. And and it and it's patriarchal, you know, like most Christianities where only, you know, men held the leadership. I mean there's a women's component of it, but the leadership is is run through the the male part. Right, of right, it. right. Um anyway, so the, the patriarch there's like one per stake and you go in and he gives you this blessing and he's kind of like it's like mormon fortune telling kind of like he talks about your life but one of the things they always tell you that's part of your patriarchal blessing is which of the 12 tribes that you have descended from really yeah super interesting and i wish i don't even know i don't think i have mine anymore but i can't remember you can't remember i know you think well i I hope you aren't a fucking until until your (laughs) podcast goddamn levites i hate the benjamites It's funny because I honestly I didn't understand that that I never understood that very well until listening to the podcast. Like, oh really? Yeah, because I mean you guys went over it over and over and over, and I was like, oh, now I kind of finally understand because it's like the, the, the lost tribes. It's kind of this whole thing, and now I feel like I understand it better than I ever did. But 
Anyway, where were we? I was rambling about Mormonism. Uh, the Book of Mormon. Golden yeah, plates. so the Book of Mormon. So yeah, it's, so there's this whole series. There's of, a song. I heard um, there was a song. There's a song. Um, Please sing a little bit of the song. The golden plates lay hidden deep in the mountainside. Are you, are you listening to the tone of this? It's yeah, beautiful. it's hundred percent. Until oh shoot, I forget the words. I can't remember the word. Until God found one faithful, something like that. Yeah, that's as much as Great. I got, apparently. Yeah, that's that was enough for me. Oh, thank you. So it's Tolkien esque, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Vicky Corrin on Only Connect. <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, so okay. yeah, so basically, there's this whole history of sort of early Christianity that took place in the Americas, and that's what the Book of Mormon allegedly is chronicling. I see. So is the Bible? Um, like above everything else above the other three like mormon texts or are they all equal they're i mean i'd say the book of mormon is probably well it's hard i mean i mean they believe in all of them right and like you have you carry all of them with you right sure. but the book of mormon is kind of like their thing right actually all of them came from joseph smith really except for the bible which they also use but i don't i mean there's i don't know if there's not really much of a hierarchy i'd say like the pearl of great price is probably the least it's it's not that long and it's kind of okay. weird and so that's probably least not discussed as the other but like when you're going in through sunday school every year they just rotate like on a four-year cycle where like you study one for the whole year and then you study oh, the second one and they kind of that's rotate like it. our podcast oh, that's what they did <laughs> exactly yeah so you've got all sorts of mormon texts in great your future, what kind of page count are we talking here yeah how long is the book of mormon so the book of mormon this is what we really care about on Sunday School Dropouts. How long is it? Well, okay, like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, You're planning for the future. Well, okay, everybody knows, like, the Bible is hella long. Mm -hmm. The Bible's, like, very thick. Technically technically described as hella long. Yeah, that's, like, the, the metric measurement for how long it is. If it's you look it up long. in Wikipedia under Wikipedia categories, it'll <laughs> it's be, under like, hella it's long hella books. long books. Yeah. yeah. So there was a movement, by the way, to add hella as, a, you know, there's, like... Ado, nano, all these yeah, prefixes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, Did you guys see this? Like, yeah, there, yeah. There was a, Dude, we're from NorCal, of course. Okay, okay, yeah, I actually signed that petition. I'm a, I was a scientist. Like, that was like 10 years ago. I would be talking ago, about helometers. Like, and <laughs> Hel helameters. Helameters, yeah. And you did work at Stanford too, right? I did, yeah. So NorCal scientist. Yeah, exactly. So, And I actually was designing this genetic thing that I was going to call like Hella when I was there. Oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't work. Somebody scooped me on it. but What the fuck? I know. Those fucking snakes so how long is the book of mormon <laughs> so the book of mormon so if the if the bible is yay thick uh -huh. um, i'm holding up my fingers at yeah, about like everybody two knows, and a half inches two, knows. two and a half two and a half two, to three. two and a half inches i'd say the book of mormon is maybe a solid inch okay so it's like longer than the new testament yeah longer than the new testament okay. maybe more like old testamenty the old testament's really long yeah and it's really boring <laughs> i mean in the, the book of mormon has like you know there's parts that are better than others or whatever like anything else but and is it is it stories or sermons or a mixture of both it's or? kind of it's kind of both i mean it's 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 now, that seems like a kind of question i could answer myself very quickly but <laughs> well you should then well thanks for nothing great interviewing <laughs> skills i mean i know I'm, I'm i was saying i was doing a bad job <laughs> that's what i was trying to point out <laughs> You don't need to get sarcastic about it. No, no, no. Tell us. I mean, it's old. I would say it's probably more Old testament -y because it's a history, but it's a history of the doctrine sort of as through the lens of the history, kind of like the old, not all of the Old Testament is like that, but like parts of the Old sure, Testament sure. Are, where it's like a history of these people, but it's a history of the religion and the dogma through through these people. So mm. can you give us like maybe a, a description of like a story from the book of mormon or something like that yeah is there like is i mean like in the old testament there's stuff like samson or jonah or uh cain and abel or something 
big time flashy headline stories. What do we got? In <laughs> Put the them on the marquee. Mm-hmm. Make a movie. <laughs> Sell those rights. Um, what do we got in the Book of Mormon that there's we can pitch? Stuff. I mean, there's a there's a there's a lot. You know, there's a lot of filler like there is in the in the Bible, mm. as you guys well know. At this there's point. no filler in the Bible. <laughs> no filler, all killer. It's Ooh, fucking nice. edge of your seat suspense the whole way through. There's it's bears eat like bald guys commanding bears to eat kids. Yeah, twenty four seven. Yeah, and there's never any parts that are boring where they go over the same thing over and over again and over and over again for and like for this week's book. <laughs> Um, it's funny. I haven't, I haven't, man, I haven't thought about it in a long time. I mean, the, in the early part of it, there's some gold about, so these people came over, right? Um, this family came over from the old world and they, and it was like this one family unit and then it got divided into kind of the good people and the bad people. They're called the Nephites because the righteous son was named Nephi. Mm. And then the bad son was called Laman. And so it was like the Nephites versus the Lamanites, right? And so that was kind of like, that's the plot. Like that's the, 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 you know, the exposition of the plot, like the good versus the bad. There's some good stuff in the beginning where people are like chopping off some heads and, you know, this nice. and that. There's some decent stuff in there. And it all takes place in America yeah. or in the Americas. Yeah, in the Americas. But it doesn't yeah. star indigenous people. It stars people that. It stars. Yeah, people who Israelites came out. Yeah, Israelites. yeah, Israelites. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And what is there? Is there like a historical connection between those Israelites and like Native American people? So it's this is actually a pre, kind of a scandalous part, right? Uh-huh. Because in the inter, so it doesn't specifically go into that into the text, but in the introduction to the book, and I, I I'd be curious if they've changed this or not. But it says actually, which was not written by Joseph Smith. I think it was written by the church later, but I'm not sure. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. But it says something about how the people, you know, the peoples in the Book of Mormon are the primary predecessors to the Native Americans. Which okay. of course, you know, like that's a, that's totally ridi- right, totally right. ridiculous. But that's what it it used to say, and it said for a long time. And then, as like as history and archaeology and mo- contemporary genetics, all these things obviously proved that disprove that, that, was, that yeah, yeah, just, yeah. disproved like that became a little more scandalous. And it used to be like, well, this is in the book, even though it wasn't part of the proper text. It meant it was like true. And then it was like, well, it was the introduction, <laughs> like backpedaling a little bit. So I'm not exactly sure if that's still in there or what the contemporary um, view of that is. But um, yeah, that's that's exactly like they were the. And so and it's even more scandalous because in the book, the, um, the Lamanites, who were the bad people, were cursed um, with darker skin. Mm, that's in the text? Yeah. Solid yeah. choice. Solid in the text, yeah. Well, that's, I mean... And it, then there's also... It is an American religion, so... <laughs> there you go, right? And there's, yeah, I mean, there's even scandalous stuff where, you know, when people convert, their skin would get lighter. Just, like, horrible. Wow! Yeah, I mean, that's not official official, but there were like people who so ran bad. the church... <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Um, who who said that? So and like there's some, black people weren't even allowed in the church for a long time. For a long, well, they were so they were allowed, but they weren't allowed full rights because they were. So they, and this <laughs> cool. is something we like, <laughs> something brand new called the three fifths compromise. <laughs> yeah. I was just gonna say, yeah. And there was this thing where, um, like Cain, the descendants of Cain, like he was cursed with right. the darker skin, right? And so that was like part of that, this whole the descendants of Ham. In- well, that Ham is another version. There's also Cain. Oh, really? Also, in some cases, Cain is the first vampire. What? Oh. What? Mm-hmm. Who? Okay, now what? you're talking. If I'm now not, you're mis- talking if I'm not mistaken, in the Blade mythology, mm. or I might be confusing it with the Underworld mythology. Uh, I've never seen either. So the curse, the curse of Cain, is vampirism. Oh, well, that's Great. way more interesting than Christianity. It, that's true. <laughs> Although, Jesus but without one, you wouldn't have so the other. That's cool too. 
He's not the first zombie, actually, because the first zombies appeared after he, when he was still dead, when he was chilling in the Americas. Oh, that's true. The first true. zombies came up, according to the New Testament. Mm-hmm. According and, to the Isaiah, and Isaiah saw visions of the zombie apocalypse as well. Ezekiel. Ezekiel, excuse me. But visions, oh, not damn. actual, like, but not. But so wait, were, when. I mean, actual, they were God-given visions. Ryan. Yeah, but. Ryan. But, no, but a vision Ryan. is not the same as reality. <laughs> It is at the, the time. I mean, it, well, it is, but it's not happening contemporaneously, <laughs> is what I'm saying. So wait, the first person raised from the dead was while Jesus was. Oh, it was. Um, well, he brought some people back from the dead, including Lazarus. Yeah, but other people had been brought back from the dead way before that oh. by Elijah and Elisha. Oh yeah, that's oh, true. Yeah, that's true. But then yeah. also, when Jesus was dead, some zombies came up mm-hmm. from the grave. When zombie, mm. yeah, when zombie, when Jesus died, when, when zombie died, <laughs> ever like when Rob Zombie died, it was for our sins. Like the natural order was upset in such a way at, that the dead cracked open their own tombs and walked, because he defeated death. That's only described in one of the gospels, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, like, what was your childhood like? <laughs> <laughs> so my parents are 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 pretty are very educated and for Mormons they're very liberal like they're not conservative they're not republican so that's exciting was, yeah it was, which is pretty so <laughs> good job which makes it very a lot easier to deal with them now than it would otherwise right um and in fact i think that some i i only have two sisters which for mormon i'm saying only because mm-hmm. we're mormons right mm-hmm. um and one of them has left and the other one is still is still a member. And so I, my sister left before I did. And so when, then when I left, it was really traumatic on my parents because, you know, my mom, like, why we're bad parents. And I was like, you guys are great parents because you taught us to be able to think our way and be rational humans, you know, but they obviously don't see it that way. So in, in that way, it was it was good. And it makes. Yeah. Again, if they were conservative or Republican, or had this some very, some very different views from what I have now, it would be a lot more difficult. But that part of it's not. But they were very strict parents mm-hmm. um as you know even a, like among all my friends whose parents mm-hmm. were maybe even much more strongly mormon um they were they were very strict but i mean you know it's like boring i grew up in the suburbs like everyone else is just everyone else was mormon right so i mean no one smoked or drank or anything and so you just had to entertain yourself you know, by <laughs> how setting shit on fire like, oh you know, okay what, re- regular stuff that bored teenagers do sure. just without the alcohol part of it no, is it true? Okay, so you can't have coffee. No caffeine. Well, no coffee or tea. But Coke is okay. Well, yeah, Coke is mo- is mostly okay. So there's no official doctrine about it. And depending on your level of, of like, you know, what level Mormon you are, uh-huh. like some people will drink it and some people won't drink it at all. That one's kind of ridiculous, right? Um, but yeah, no no tobacco, no. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming now that pot is on its way to full being fully being legal, they probably won't allow that either. Unless they get corner the market, yeah. Unless, yeah. Unless they can. Unless the church like, is like buying in, yeah. which is why Coke is like okay, right? Yeah, because well, it's it's Coke or Pepsi that's supposedly owned by the Mormon Church, or, or there's some they yeah. have some stake. I'm in sure it. Yeah, their, like, their retirement fund owns a significant chunk of. of <laughs> yeah, there's some, there's something like where like officially where that is, and like the Marriott like Marriott hotels, right? Like they're owned by a Mormon, and like I didn't the, know instead that. of Bibles in Marriott <gasps> hotels, there's Book of Mormon. Really? Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, it used to be true at least. Yeah. Well, you're generally probably not looking for Bibles in the closets. I mean, finding or maybe bi- you are finding finding Bible, <laughs> finding Bibles in the drawers was always a highlight of my childhood when we traveled. Wait, really? Absolutely. It, it's like an Easter egg hunt or something. Well, I mean, it was just like that was like foreign to you. We that didn't was like, have what is this? Bibles in the house when I was right. a kid. But like when we traveled and we were in some motel and, you know, it's like I was a kid. What were we going to do with my family? 
that's the only time I remember like reading Bible stories was in hotels. That was where we first read the uh, parable of the vine tenders or the parable of the of the uh, renters or whatever it's uh-huh. called. The uh, weird one. Yeah. The, uh, the one that doesn't make any sense because it's supposed to be like ironic or something. <laughs> and I remember my whole family sitting around in a motel room reading that from the Bible and being like, what the hell is this? That's so what funny. Are we doing like, here? like how different is that from like our childhood? Right, 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 right. Like, oh yeah. god, do we have to write the Bible tonight? I like yeah, I learned that in Sunday school. I had to memorize it. It was or like it was like, you know, being a, a kid and then like watching Hungarian TV or something and being like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on here? I do this is great, you know? <laughs> what things should I know about Mormon? Like, what should a non-Mormon know? Because here's like the stereotypes that I have. Yeah, I'm, 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 this is always really interesting to me about what people who aren't Mormons think about Mormons. It's like no alcohol or caffeine. No sex. Well, that's for every like, Lots of Christian ever. Like every Christian denomination is like no sex. So sure. that seems normal to me. Um, Like polygamy. So I had, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I don't know why. Maybe it was when... um you and I were hanging out the other mm. day and we were talking about the podcast. I had a friend growing up who was a polygamist, like in my neighborhood. Well, like, And then he ended up moving with his dad and all these crazy moms to Southern Utah. And we were on some family trip down there to some national park. And we went, this is the weirdest thing. I've been meaning to f- ask my parents about this because I t- like, I know this happened, but I want to hear like, what the hell were you thinking? So we went, they lived in, in Southern Utah in the middle of the desert uh-huh. in this like giant butte where they had like, this is so i i was thinking about this like i can't believe this is a thing that i actually did so they had like dynamited these caves out of this giant butte and they lived in these cave homes in the middle of nowhere and they were full-on polygamists and we went and visited him because he was like a really good friend of mine when i was like seven or something he lived a few blocks away and like i didn't really understand what was happening it wasn't kind of until later i was like kind of put it together but is that is that that's super weird (laughs) that's full-blown insane yeah is it weird for people to live in caves uh with like like 10 moms in the united states in the 21st century yes like some sort of modern man his name was shem i hope you're listening right now Uh, give me a call and Uh, he had shem means name in hebrew oh does it yes oh interesting and like all his he had this giant family and his dad was much older and like some of his sisters I'm sure were actually other moms now that, you know, in retrospect and they had all these biblical names. um. And they lived in some sort of man-made rock hive. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone lives in some sort of hive in in Utah, right? It's the the beehive. I mean, it's the beehive state. Yeah. You have to build it. You have to build based on secretions from your body. You have to build a home. Um, Except like, like bees. It seems a little less matriarchal than bees. <laughs> it's funny. It's, yeah, remarkably less matriarchal. That's, that's a good observation. Bee run yeah. by men. Yeah, it's confusing. And then there's a lot of... Uh, my my other stereotype is like all the esoteric stuff that you have to... The only like certain people learn as they get higher and higher in the ranks. Yeah, so that stuff, that's the weird stuff. And uh-huh. the, weird, the weird part about it, oh, it's not weird because lots of secret societies and cults function this way. Right, but once right. you get to a certain point, so all the stuff, so you see the temples, right? You can see the one in Oakland from here almost, right? I it's didn't giant, know there was Yeah, so there, there's one in Oakland. Oakland on the hills. Okay. Um, you can see it from Bart, this giant edifice. 
And so the stuff that goes on there, that's like the top secret stuff. Oh, right? really? Like, yeah, like you're not allowed to talk about the stuff that goes on there. And so that's like the baptisms for the dead. And like, people get married there. There's all these other ceremonies and things that happen there. And you're like, you, it's like part of when you're learning the stuff there is you're swearing to not ever to talk it about secret, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and there's secret, there's secret handshakes and secret symbols sure. and secret names. And it's like, it's like as cult as you can possibly get. And yes. that's all that. Ha- and it's, it's like, and it's just weird because you think about these Mormons that, you know, there's like regular people and they are, but it's a total cult. There's yeah. all this crazy stuff. And like, I can't even describe. And honestly, it still creeps me out to talk about that stuff. Really? Yeah. Because it's like, it's such like a crazy secret thing. And it's so weird. That it's like, it's not even now, like knowing what I know, like it still is not comfortable for me to talk about like the stuff that actually happens in there. How far did you get? So it's not like, you know, the Scottish ride or something where there's like a million levels and you can go like you can basically by the time you're so for males, it's before you go on a mission, you go through the temple and there's like a set of things that you do in there. And you have done them all, except for getting married is one of the things that you do in there. And so by the time you leave to go to be a missionary, you've done as much of the stuff as there is to do. Really? And then for for females, it's it's different. Like you go when you get married or kind of go when you want to go. But huh. that's how it was when, when I was growing up. I'm do, not sure. I'm do not girls sure do now. missionary stuff too? Or? They do, yeah. Okay. They do, but they go when they're older. Or okay. when, when I did it, um, guys were – you're supposed to go like very, very – like the the law basically was you go when you're 19, but you could go up until you were a certain age, like 25 or something. I forget. And then the females would go when they were you. They, they didn't have to go. Males were, had to go. Okay. Females could go if they wanted, but if they weren't married, until or they, yeah, because of course they're supposed to just get married. But if they weren't married, they could go when they're. I think it was 21 or 23 or something. But that has also recently changed as well because the male the ma- the male age range has also changed. What did you do when you were in Poland? So um, you proselytize. I mean, like it's full on. It's the most analogous thing that people are probably. Well, actually, most people are probably familiar with Mormon missionaries. I mean, I see them in the city and in Oakland all the time. See Jehovah's Witnesses um, far yeah. more often, though. Yeah, but J- yeah. Well, J-Dubs, I mean, J-dubs. I don't know what is, Yeah, they see them everywhere in you the city You call them J-Dubs. Now. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what we call them because oh they were God. all over in Poland also. Oh, my God. Did you did amazing. you guys like did you guys hang out when you were both? No, we would we would like you're like Mortal Enemies. Street, street oh fights. my god, totally like shark, oh sharks and jets. Totally, it was like we would full on Bible bash with them. You weren't supposed to, but we totally would. <laughs> did you learn any Polish? Yeah, I was. I used to be fluent in Polish. What? Because you fuck? you speak, and so that's one of the hard things about going abroad. Is so you're in pairs of people, right? Right. And so you get there and so you go to a couple months of training where you kind of learn. And I'm sure it's all different from when I did it, which was a long time ago. But you go in and you kind of learn the doctor because they have this like lesson plans, like how you teach people, how you convert, how you talk to people. But then you're also learning the language at the same time. But then you get there and I mean, you learn like six or eight weeks of a foreign language in class. You know nothing. Right. So then you're paired up with someone who's been there for you know, eight months or 12 months oh, or really? a year and a half, okay. because then they help show you the ropes and like get you around. But then they're also t- helping to teach you the language and everything. Wow. So actually today I, my, I have a friend in town who was my, my greenie, they're called. So I, he, I trained him. Oh my God. Um, and he's totally ex-Mormon now too. We were just having beers up the Great. street, yeah, <laughs> which is, which is super funny. But um, yeah, so you, you go around and you, I mean, so Poland is very Catholic, very Catholic. Yeah. yeah. And in, I mean, part of it has to do with the history, the history of the com- the country, like Polishness, 
Poland didn't always exist because after World War II, they divided the country up. Right. And so Polishness and Catholicism Used to have a big very, Jewish population, not yeah, anymore. Not so much there yeah. anymore. Um, so Catholicism and Polishness kind of became very intertwined. So it became a much more cultural component of the society, more so than a religious component. Um, which I think is the case for a lot of religious, mm-hmm. like any any sort of community that is predominantly the same religion, it becomes less about the religion and more about the community and the identity. I mean, which is the same kind yeah. of thing that happens in in Utah. Even, yeah, right, with that's Mormonism. my my like theory of religion is that it's like ninety percent culture, ten yeah, percent belief. Totally. Yeah, and that's what I mean, and that's part of when you're trying to convert people, you convert them to the culture mm. because that is a much more compelling reason to stay than the dogma, right? But we would so it was a very uphill battle there so like you know you'd have friends who are in missions in brazil or mexico and they're just like baptizing people by droves baptizing means like that's when you you know you have to enter the mormon church officially you get baptized um uh but there it was just bad it was really tough going and that when i was there um it hadn't been open for you guys like compete over your numbers and stuff like that i mean you have to leaderboard there there it it was funny because when i was there there was kind of there was this weird system that the guy had installed the who ran like the mission president right he'd set it up where you would get points for things it was called it was called par and it stood for performance and recognition or something he was like this business guy and he set up this total like leaderboard oh system God. where you'd like you'd call in your numbers to the district leader to like the region le- or the, the zone leader who would then call him into the, the presidency right and it was this whole thing but basically there there was so little interest and people just didn't care we spent a lot of time going door to door like stopping people on the streets doing street displays like stuff now i mean even like i hated that stuff then and now it just I just cringe thinking about, <laughs> I can't believe I, I did it, but that's what you did. Right. You know? And like at the point at that time, I mean, you really had to believe in it because it was so horrible. And it was just hard because nobody cared. And Polish is a very difficult language to learn. <laughs> sure. so you're trying to do this thing that nobody cares about and you, you barely speak the language. And it's just, it was really, really tough. Did you convert anyone? So one person at the beginning, and honestly, I didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> Because I was like brand, brand new and I didn't understand enough to going greenie. on. I was the greenie. Yeah. And so like we got this commitment from this lady and then like we left the the the, the discussion as they were called back then. And my companion, that's so they're in pair. You call each other your companion, your comp, right? You're, so my of companion course, was all comp, excited. Yeah. And um, I was, and he was telling me, I was like, oh, that's cool. I had no idea what the hell was going on. <laughs> but by the time I left, she had already left. And so basically like no that was yeah yeah. Hmm. so two years which obviously now i view as like i mean a huge waste of time and like a horrible thing that (laughs) i did but you know i was a small town suburban utah kid and i lived in europe for two years and i learned a language like it made me grow a lot as a person yeah that's that's cool but i you know what i did i view with disdain because i think it's all horrible but you know i think it made me a different person that i would have been had i not and I'm glad that I regret it because if I didn't, I wouldn't be happy with who I was. Sure. But. but it's cool that you like were fluent in Polish. I mean, yeah, and I still speak some Polish. Like I was in Poland. Um, so we have a collaborator at work who is based in Poland and I actually hired somebody from his lab. And so we speak Polish sometimes. And I went out there and I speak Polish. Like, you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a fun thing. It's not the most useful utilitarian language to know, obviously. <laughs> Nobody's got world, 13 but... declensions or something. <laughs> oh my God, it's so miserable. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> But it's interesting speak like learning when you learn a language that's not is like way off topic, obviously. But when you learn a language that's not that's different. That's I mean, so like, different from English. Yeah, you yeah. think about 
language in a different way. That's why I learned Hebrew. Like, yeah, yeah. I actually have always wondered why you know so much Hebrew. I just took it in college because I was just interested oh, just in because you're interested in it. Uh, like, I spoke Spanish already, um, mm-hmm. and I wanted to learn something that was like different from oh, English. Okay. And because was this before or after you had kind of lost your. Faith. It was like during the transition, so it was kind of like. Was it? But was was what was your choice to pick Hebrew? Sorry, I don't want to be no, no, interviewing no, you. Like I've always actually wanted to ask you this question: Did you pick Hebrew because I mean you want to learn a foreign language, but because it played a role in sort of a fundamental part of your upbringing? Or yes, okay. I I think it was it was like a way for me to transition from like being a Christian to being an atheist. Like it was a way for me to kind of like somehow maintain a connection to the Bible. Like, but not from a believing angle. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, wow. Yeah. So you're like easing your way out. You're keeping. Like yeah, a I was kind of academic... easing my way out. Yeah, I was trying to find like an academic way in. Yeah, recontextualizing the stuff that you had learned. Yeah, it in an although academic I, way. Yeah, so you could keep a link to it without keeping a belief. Yeah, with it. although I did oh, choose so to take modern Hebrew instead of biblical Hebrew. Oh, so it was like well, because you have sense in your brain well yeah <laughs> so it would be at least useful and not just academic yeah, yeah um cool. so yeah it, it was weird i it's like some how weird... much of that was conscious at the time i yeah, none that, yeah let's see oh really none but, like si- but so since then you've kind of like why did i do this and yeah wow that's super interesting i mean i looked at other i was like maybe i could take um japanese or maybe i could take uh, I looked at taking Nahuatl, which is like the, the Aztec language. That's I, crazy that they teach that even. Yeah. <laughs> well, really cool. Stanford. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I wanted to take something that was really different from English. You know, I wanted to challenge mm-hmm. myself. But uh, I like I was so drawn to Hebrew. I was like, mm, Japan. Hmm, well, I don't care. You know, and then I was like, <laughs> I love Hebrew. anime. But <laughs> this is like from my childhood. Yeah, this, this is like is a like part deep. of who you are. Yeah, yeah. Even though like, obviously, like I grew up in fucking the suburbs like mainline protestant like there was no emphasis on hebrew whatsoever but it was like somehow in my mind a connection mm-hmm. to yeah i don't yeah, know that's cool that's really interesting but unfortunately i think we do have to take a break and eventually talk about the bible <laughs> all right fine <laughs> okay, we're gonna take a break you're gonna hear some music and we'll be back in about a minute bye 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 Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And, and we, we have a special guest. I realized that I might have made a mistake earlier when I introduced you. Oh? Um, 
you have a PhD, right? I do. So I should have called <gasps> oh you Dr. God. Ryan Honecker, oh, and that's you. my mistake. This well, is it's like funny because we had Stroopy on because mm-hmm. Stroopy to us is just Stroopy, but he's actually Dr. Christopher Stroop. Well, it's funny because in in my field, no one calls each other doctor unless someone wants something from you or unless someone's fucking with you because you did something stupid. Oh, so it's like, okay. you, like you never like if you get an email with doctor on it, like, oh, shit, it's a wrap. <laughs> or if your coworker's like, hey, great move there, doctor. That means like you did something super, super stupid. So like it's unfortunately all these years of, of school. Great. <laughs> basically, it's just kind of all a right, fuck you. Well, down you, to a joke. Yeah, right? totally. Yeah. Well, so no, no harm done. <laughs> <laughs> Today we are uh, supposed to be talking about the the book of Titus. And we'll do so right now. So I'm going to hit you with some fast facts. Okay. Now, these are basically the same fast facts that we did last week for First and Second Timothy. If you didn't listen to those, I'm just going to rehash it real quick. It's, it'll be like one minute. Right, like, are you supposed to start a stopwatch? Is that what that look meant? <laughs> no. Put I, a minute on the clock. I just, uh, <laughs> I, I was expecting a response and instead I got silence. But that's cool. It's cool. We went through. I thought you were a professional. I thought you knew what you were doing. (laughs) In many episodes, we went through the the Pauline epistles, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. which are the the letters that Paul sent to various churches to instruct them how to do church stuff. After that, there are three pastoral epistles or pastoral letters, which are letters that Paul sent to his colleagues to instruct them on how to be good pastors, except that Paul probably didn't actually write them. Mm. So, fuck everything. Today we are talking about the pastoral letter to Titus, who Paul mentioned in his letter to the Galatians, uh, as, you know, a dude that he was going to send over mm-hmm. to the church. to, Which was partially a, partially a promise and partially a threat mm-hmm. to get Titus sent. And uh, according to tradition, Titus was the first bishop of Crete, uh, but also he hung out with Paul in Nicopolis in Macedonia. Whoa, that's it's your it's your people. The Nico city, mm. as well as Dalmatia, and your uh, your last name is Dalmatian. Yeah, if he had been to Baku, then he would have the trifecta. He might have been to Baku. It just says you know Dalmatia. Yeah. Well, so, no, Baku is in Azerbaijan. Oh yeah, 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 you're right. It is. It's the capital of Azerbaijan. That's right. What am I even thinking? So, well, he connects to your first and last name, in a way. This is basically your book, and it sucks. So thanks for nothing. <laughs> I feel like you might be sandbagging me a little here. Uh, basically, it's just a retread of First and Second Timothy, using like the exact same words. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only difference is that it's slightly more anti-Semitic. Slightly, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we start out uh, chapter one with. It doesn't even have. Wait, well, I, I would say. Oh, I don't. Want, I don't want to tread no, on your on your sacred corner. Uh, which is for the listeners, just a different corner than the etymology. <laughs> There's like twelve corners in this. So, room, so because this book is so short, I was like, well, I should read something else about this. So I was reading Wikipedia, which uh-huh. is every the layperson's guide to the Bible. Yeah. So did you guys read this? Um, it says on, from Wikipedia, Titus would be, was buried in Cortina, Crete. His head was later removed to Venice during the invasion of Crete by the Saracens in 832, and was sure. enshrined in Saint Mark's Basilica in Italy. Sure. But then later, of course, the skull. Um, was moved back to Crete. It was returned in 1966. Oh, it was. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's pretty awesome. I didn't read any of this. I'm glad. I, you I'd guys be so have stoked this. if, when I died, my head like people wanted it so badly that they like were moving it around. <laughs> it's a good sign. I mean, like, I don't know. I think the percentage of like saintly relics that are plausibly from the period that they're supposed to be is very, very low. 
But it's also hard for scientists to get their hands on those sweet saint bones. <laughs> Where, um, Seriously. My mom and her husband went somewhere in like Germany and they were like, yeah, we have bones from all three of the Magi. <laughs> 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 wow, such great luck, you know? <laughs> and I love like every Catholic church has a piece of the cross. Right, right. right. It's yeah, like yeah. you could build like the Taj Mahal. We went of, to like, one in, uh, in Santa Fe, New Mexico that had some of the cross. I was like, wow, that. That lasted a long time. Yeah. They had they had sweet relics there too. Yeah. They a surprisingly some... robust relic collection yeah. for Santa Fe, New Mexico. And a I'd dude say. told us about like how many miracles they had performed there with mm-hmm. the relics. And we were like, cool, 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 cool. And there was like a plaque that was like uh Nuestra Señora Conquistadora or yeah. something. And then the English translation was like Our Lady of Peace. And I was like, That's, that's not, not what that says. <laughs> that's not the correct translation. I kind of love relics and reliquaries and stuff like that. I don't know. It's a it's a weird kind of human worship that I, I I can get down with, you know, that like bits of a person should mean more than and than, and that have magic. It's powers, gross that it gets, right? yeah, it's yeah. It's cool that they have magic powers. It's just like it's a weird kind of person worship that I like. Mm. It's weird that it gets associated with religion because mm. it seems like very... Like the wi- opposite of religion. Yeah, it seems like mm. very witchy. You know, it seems like very like folktale magic. That like if there's a magic person and you get a piece of that magic person, <laughs> that's magic. Mm-hmm. You know? That seems to, in my mind, have nothing to do with religion. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's like, just like... That's just like... That's just like animism or like people love. That's because you know? like Catholicism has all these cheats mm-hmm. to like make it accommodate more paganism mm. Mm. yeah that's a good point protestantism doesn't have that just do you, do you have any relics in mormonism i mean there's a couple of um yeah do they things like that joseph about... smith had so oh. this actually just came out like a year or something ago so he one of the things that he used to translate the book of mormon like these seer stones or whatever apparently okay like it's it's kind of in this known thing that like the church has one and i think eventually you just can't hide from the internet right and mm. so eventually they're like all right fuck it and so they like they had like some picture of some rock that Joseph Smith had that was the seer stone or whatever. And so it was like a, couple, a Rosetta like, Stone, like a yeah, it was like something that he'd use to translate because hmm. the stuff was written in angelic language, right? No, it was written actually. That's a good question. I don't remember. I don't know what it was written in. Actually, I know the angel. I know the Hebrew. angel Moroni is involved somehow. <laughs> angel Moroni. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, he's the one that actually appeared and showed Joseph Smith where the oh he just showed were. he just showed him where the plates yeah. Were. So Those that's a dude all, like blowing the trumpet on the. They're top all kind of the, like. Uh, fake Hebrew, right? It's like Nephi, like Moroni. They all kind of sound Hebrew-ish. Oh, that's funny. I, I mean, I don't speak Hebrew, so but that make would make sense because he was making the stuff up, right? Right, and right. So he probably knew enough Hebrew to like make it sound because it like... sounds like Bible-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but totally. it's not. But it's not biblical. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't know. I didn't think about that. Huh. Nice move, Joe. <laughs> I mean, job. he was he was nothing if not uh, inventive. Yeah. <laughs> that's true he was, yeah well if you think about all the religions that came out of that historical period yeah. in the u.s and it was a huge I mean, boom for for boom time for like totally it was a religions. Huge, yeah totally i mean <laughs> they, they called it the second great awakening i believe right, right. so there are all these religions and so i mean who makes it to the top right they're like the craziest or the most unique or the most dogmatic or like there's something about it's like a mimetic evolutionary process right mm. like what's going to race to the top in this huge milieu of and like, we love memes here <laughs> That's true. This is like one of the most meme-heavy countries that has ever existed. <laughs> I was going to say on this podcast that we're a very meme-friendly podcast oh, okay. in general. I was going to say like we're like a meme nation. Mm-hmm. 
a nation of memes. That's the name of your um of your forthcoming novel, I assume. <laughs> meme yeah. It's nine hundred pages of nonsense. Of, of nonsense. <laughs> meme nation. Anyway, we're supposed to talk about Titus. Uh, yeah, that lasted a, lasted about a minute. <laughs> That's how interesting the book is. And I <laughs> sat down to read it this morning. I was like, "All right, let's dig into this." I had like paper. I was like taking notes. I was like, "It was done oh, in ten you can minutes." Read in like ten oh, minutes. Yeah. Shit, now what am I supposed to do? So it's exactly the same as First and Second Timothy. It uses like a lot of the same phrasing. It starts off, you know, like this is a letter from Paul to my son, Titus, mm-hmm. my, my small scripture son, mm-hmm. Titus. Um, starts off with some similar guidelines about church elders, how you have to be, you know, like not drunk and you have to be like kind and gentle. Um, we get to In this- the NRSV, it's very insistent that bishops and elders need to be blameless. Mm. Blameless. Blameless is a weird thing to mm. be. So, like, as one who's blameless, can you, you know, <laughs> can you tell us more? I just, I just mean it, it's not saying that they have to be good, or that they have to have not committed any crimes. Hmm. Just that they need to be blameless. Hmm. I feel like there's, there's a way that you could be an evil person and be blameless. Hmm. You know, <laughs> if you're good at it. Maybe. I don't think that's what they're saying, though. I know. I'm. I know that's not what they're saying. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm just saying it's, it's a. It's an odd quirk of translation that that's what it brings to mind for me, that you could be blameless and still not be Mr. Goodman. So here... So, well, I had, a, I had a question for you guys, speaking of the translation, because there were... Which translation did you read? So KJV? I read the... I, yeah, I did it old school. Yeah, yeah my okay, roots. Okay. So in, um, in verse 12 of chapter one, there was this line, which I thought was amazing, and I wanted to see how it differed in your, in your oh, Bible. Oh, this is a famous line, too. So it says, the, the, the Cretans, I'm assuming that's how you say it, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, yes. slow bellies. Uh, oh, slow bellies. Yeah. Mine says lazy gluttons. Oh. Mine also says lazy gluttons. Lazy gluttons. I mean, I mean, here's, here's the full quote uh, from the NIV. For there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. That's that's what we're calling <laughs> Jews. A secret, in this... secret Facebook group of which I am not a member. <laughs> wink, wink. Not a member. The circumcision group. They must be silenced because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach. And that, for the sake of dishonest gain, one of Crete's own prophets has said it. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. So th- This saying is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myth. You know that you know why this quote is famous? You know why this passage is famous? Because of the paradox? Because of the paradox, exactly. Yeah. Which is that when you say uh, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said Cretans are always liars. Mm-hmm. That's a paradox. So it's the Epimenides oh, paradox. That's right. Oh, yeah. okay, 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 okay. Yeah, so, yeah. It's like there's two people. One says, I only tell the truth. And one says, I always lie. Mm-hmm, but, but then like, the doctor was a woman. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Got it. Mine did have a note that said... That it was from the Cretan philosopher Epimenides, but that meant nothing to me. I, I looked it up, but <laughs> I just was like, "Wow, this is really anti-Semitic." <laughs> they do, yeah. There's a lot of bad, a lot of bad mouthing of Jewish Christians. The circumcision group mm-hmm. is like <laughs> not. It's like some secret right wing group yes! like that you're not sure what exactly. they believe, kind of thing. Yeah, it's like totally. K Street <laughs> circumcision group. <laughs> Somebody's lobbying Congress hard for more circumcision. 
circumcision Look, in schools. Someone is out there doing <laughs> that the right truth. now. Like, I honestly believe that someone is out there doing that. Chapter two, uh, teach older women to be good patriarchal slaves so they can teach the younger women to be good patriarchal slaves. Also, literal slaves are great as long as everyone is nice and Christian. Part of the instructions about how to have good slaves is to make sure that your slaves like make Christianity look good. Yes. It's like basically the most important part about how to have good optics. slaves. Yeah, it's Hashtag really, optics. It's really all about the optics. Yeah, I also noted this. This chapter was really about firmly again mentioning the whole patriarchal order which is just like the the guidebook for abuse in the future right? yes. it's like, everyone make sure they really listen to me because i'm a dude and everyone does what i say like it was now, like very straight men are it. also supposed to be quote-unquote self-controlled but they don't have to be busy at home or chased or subject to their husbands mm-hmm. like women do or masters like their slaves are right? yeah um, but I like how he did kind of do like the hip hop thing where he called out like to the ladies and then to the fellas. Like, I kind of I thought it was kind of ladies like, be submissive to your husbands, fellas. Let me hear you say yeah. Totally, I was totally like like he was doing call outs for sure. Uh, chapter three. Uh, <laughs> remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities to be obedient. There's there's a lot of emphasis. To earthly authorities, like a lot of emphasis on obedience to earthly authorities. And the interesting thing I wanted to bring up on that point is that they specifically say in this that these rules are not, you know, like the law of God. But this is the way that we can, you know, grow Christianity the best. So this is like recommendations about how we can succeed as Christians and as a young church rather than this is the law of God. Mm. I mean, I just feel like if that's the case, you got to put before this one and nobody should be allowed to quote it. You know, <laughs> you have to there's has to be an intro that says this is not the law of God. Yeah. And then whenever like, anybody okay. quotes it, they should be like, this is from a part of the Bible. Paul that is did not- do that. <laughs> Paul does do that. In like the in the authentic Pauline epistles, mm-hmm. he, he will say like, this isn't like God's law. This is just what I think. Right. Everybody should like. And they say that in this. But it's it, the problem is when you start to quote it out of context. It's in the Bible. Yeah. So. Because it's in the Bible, it has... Yeah, by default. Like, even though it's probably not even by Paul. And also, fuck Paul. By so Paul? It's Bible? Like, by... by it's by Paul? <laughs> it's... It's a Pauler. It's this is, not This is what you Paul. tune in for. The one podcast where we recognize when words sound like other words. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard it here first. But it was confusing because, I mean, there's this whole works versus... Faith. Like faith thing and in like three verses apart and like verse because like, i wrote this down in verse five he says you're saved by work not saved by works but by mercy and then verse eight like a couple verses later it says they which have believed in god might be careful to maintain good works so yeah like, so okay this is the thing like <laughs> catholics say that that faith and works both like play a role in going to heaven and protestants say it's faith alone but like it makes no sense if it's just faith alone you know I've I've come to agree with Catholics on this. Okay. That it's got to be a combination of faith and works. It's not how I was raised, but like, what do you, why, how could it not have anything to do with works, you know? When works are mentioned plenty in the Bible, too. Yeah. Like, if that's your text, right? I mean, Mormons are kind of the same way. It's like a combination of things. It's that, a combination. Yeah. It's like Catholics. Because I feel like that's kind of what the Are there like says, mortal really. sins, quote unquote? Uh... Homosexuality. <laughs> I don't think that's a mortal sin. Is there black. mortal combat, quote unquote? Oh, yeah, totally. The Mormon Coliseum in Salt Lake. 
Are you um, allowed to talk about that, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> having, having survived it, you can never yeah, mention I mean, it I again. can tell you my scars, but um, <laughs> I was really good with the net and harpoon. That's a great choice. <laughs> Very strong choice. Um, not the harpoon. I edited, it, yeah. I edited a text adventure game once where you had to do gladiatorial combat. Oh, really? And, yeah, and there was like a net option and a harpoon option. <laughs> strong choice. Yeah. But you've got to be good with both hands. That's yeah. the problem. You know, I'm a musician, so. <laughs> I play the piano. I got both. <laughs> Uh, and then we've got my favorite part of every Pauline letter, even though this one probably isn't authentic, is the part where he names people and they have wacky names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we've got, uh, as soon as I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, the Nico city, mm-hmm. because I have decided to winter there. I, I did like that line. <laughs> Like, I'll be at the Hamptons. Yeah, I'll be exactly. summering at the oh, Hamptons. Uh, where are you wintering? Nicopolis. <laughs> Again. Do everything you can to help Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way and see that they have everything they need. Yeah. Starting this fall on NBC, Zenus the lawyer. That's Timothy, or that's Titus. It's exactly the same as the Timothy. There's nothing unique about it at all. There's mm-hmm. no reason for any of these pastoral letters to be in the Bible, and I hate them all. That's what's, it's, it's really interesting to think about. Like what? Like why did some of these make the cut? Yeah. Like I mean, there's some of the the crazy, you know, pseudepigraphal ones that are just like even too crazy for the Bible. Yeah. Like, all right, I get why you didn't have like crazy Jesus. Like why the like, Acts of Thomas? Yeah, you didn't yeah, have totally. like Jesus. But why identical did they just make it in? There's no, there's nothing redeeming about this. And did it just get like translated into oblivion over the years? Was there actually something there? Like it just doesn't make sense. Well, to there's me. like a whole thing. There was like the story of how the canonical New Testament came to be is like could probably take up its own podcast like we could do like a whole season of this podcast on it because it took like a couple hundred years took several councils to lots of like church patriarchs and there were several versions of the new testament before we settled on this one or i say we as if i had i mean there's still like four versions of it or whatever even now right is there well Well, i I, mean there's the catholic version there's the king james like regular evangelical western christianity version but those the new testament is the same in all those okay yeah i guess old uh, testament is different is the New Testament the same in all of them? Yeah. Oh, maybe you're right. Yeah. It is just, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. It's just the Old Testament. I mean, that's, what, that's what you were telling me was that you were familiar with, interestingly, relating back to something we had talked about before, you had already read a, a lot of the Old Testament apocryphal books from your time in Poland. Yeah, because the Catholic, Cause because the, the Catholic, Catholic Bible. Bible. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I'd only yeah, yeah. grown up re- reading the King James, and then all of a sudden the only version of the Bible in Polish was the Catholic version. Got and so it. that's what we use. And I was like, oh, there's all these crazy books. I'm going to read them. Yeah, they have like five or six extra books in the Old yeah. Testament, but not in the New Testament. Yeah, but, and so but that's anyway, like all the New Testament ones like that you guys have been doing. Like I didn't even know that most of these existed. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, well, most of them are boring as shit. <laughs> well, I mean, but some of there them are some good some stories. Are <laughs> yeah. The Gospels are great. Yeah, the Gospels are gospels Everything are great. by Paul is kind of shit. <laughs> yeah, it's not that interesting. I feel like you, you could get like a, just a letter or two, like some of the yeah, better. Yeah, just give us like Romans. Yeah, I was going to say Romans as well. And like, that's all. Yeah. But so do you <laughs> think. Acts is kind of weird too, but it should be in Well, there. Acts is great. Yeah. yeah, Acts is fun at least. Yeah. yeah, there's some weird stuff in Acts. But I mean, I don't know. Was it somebody who was like a Paul fetishist who's like, well, Paul wrote it, maybe even, and so we're keeping it? Well, so they did like, they were very sensitive to the idea of authorship when they were putting this together and and things that they decided were not really by Paul they excluded mm. but they didn't realize that this wasn't actually by Paul 
Yeah, I mean, most people think this wasn't right. This and Timothy, right? They think most people yeah, think Yeah, at this point, like 80% of scholars think they were not, they're not actually by Paul. And it's also, even if it was, it's still boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, <laughs> when you <laughs> when you put together a book, like, regardless of concerns about authorship or whatever, and you're saying this should be in the Bible, you have to probably agree with the, the, stuff, it's, it, the yeah. stuff it's in it. So at that time... They were like, yeah, this is this is good instructions yeah. for, for like local bishops, local elders, uh, young women, mm-hmm. old women do these things. So that's the that's the politics of the New Testament. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, Paul definitely said this because obviously he would want women to be silent. Right. But anyway, we shouldn't talk about things that we're not paid to talk about, mm. which is why we're going to talk about Lisa mattresses. <laughs> Blue apron. Well, I I did put together a a short list of famous Tituses or tie-dye, as I like to call them. Did you really? Because I was like, whatever. We're going to talk about this book for like, well, like 10 minutes. Yeah, like 30 seconds. Like, lay lay these Tituses on us. So Titus um, was a Roman emperor from 79 to 81, a member of the Flavian dynasty or the Flavor Flav dynasty. Yeah, that was pretty short-lived, only two years. Yeah, and he he died pretty young, um, but he is best known for completing the Colosseum. Good for him, and for his generosity. The inspiration in, for the Mormon Colosseum, of, of course. course. Yeah, of course. For his generosity in relieving the suffering caused by two disasters: the eruption of Mount Vesuvius Ooh. and a fire in Rome. Wow. Um, there's we could also use that in Northern California right now. Yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah. Titus Andronicus, the play by our Shakespeare, boy. Shakespeare, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I'm wearing um, a Shakespeare shirt right yeah. now. It's Which is from, a fictional uh, story of Titus, a general in the Roman army. It's um, believed to be Shakespeare's first real tragedy. And then finally... Uh, they eat uh, human human flesh pies in that one. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's, I, it's one of the few Shakespeare plays I actually haven't read. Yeah, it's a good it's one. It's pretty they, messed up. Somebody gets their tongue cut out and they, oh, cool. eat, they eat human pies. There's a really good film version of it. Yeah, with um, Anthony Hopkins, right? Mm-hmm. That's the one I saw. Wow, Anthony Hopkins does a lot of cannibalism shit, doesn't he? <laughs> He's been totally typecast. Yeah, He's been totally typecast his fault. Yeah. I mean, once you're in that, it's hard to get out. <laughs> the cannibalism ghetto. Once yeah. everybody yeah. knows, <laughs> once you've played Hannibal the cannibal, like nobody can. No, can see past that. Yeah, it's really too bad. Yeah. Well, the only other one that I found was um, the TV series Titus. Titus, yeah. yeah. Remember that. <laughs> What's remember that? that? It's an American dark comedy sitcom debuted on Fox in 2000, created by its star Christopher Titus. I pseudo autobiographical. He's a stand-up. No he had he has a podcast, I think, mm. a long-running one. What if it was just tight ass, like a tight ass? I mean, what if it was? Yeah, like what would? I mean, it is basically. This is pretty like tight ass. I mean, not in like <laughs> the sense of like this is tight, as in it's cool, but just like as in the sense of tight ass, like this is really strict and like doesn't leave any room for mm-hmm. fun. And back to your original question, what if it were? Yeah. What if it wasn't? <laughs> That's the better question. <laughs> what if it wasn't? What if this weren't written by a tight ass? See, well, that's I mean, there, there's a spinoff podcast right there just waiting. What if it was just like a like a liberty? What if it was just written by like somebody chill? Like somebody you know? groovy. And it was just like. <laughs> somebody that wasn't like all uh, like in your face. About yeah. It, you know? somebody, somebody was just like, yeah. Cool, whatever. It's like, I want the Bible, but instead of it being like really at, at like extra at me. It's just like, yeah, it's whatever. Somebody more chill. Yeah. <laughs> there you have it. Tune in next week. Tune in next week for the non-tight ass Bible. 
We should have something mocked up by then. But it actually is time to rate this book. <gasps> rate this book! I'm nervous. Ryan, how would you rate this book? I'm going to rate this book two out of nine slow bellies. Okay. Because there's nothing interesting in it. I mean, there's some standard Pauline, even though you didn't write it, sort of power structure, patriarchal. And there's there's nothing there's just nothing interesting. It's three yeah. chapters of boredom. Yeah. I don't no. even know why I gave it two. Now that I, think <laughs> it. I just felt bad giving it one. I'm going to give it one out of 17 circumcision groups. Because, <laughs> like, literally, there's nothing in here that isn't already in First and Second Timothy. And first, like, the, even Second Timothy doesn't need to exist. And there's a lot like, of writing that's the same. That's what I read. It's yeah. a very close phrasing, phraseology it is. stuff, it's even like, from the other one. This is right? a trustworthy saying. That's in all three of these pastoral letters. And it's just like, we only need one of these. And even then, it's not even by Paul. And it sucks. So... Fuck you, Titus. Yeah. Four out of 44 lazy gluttons for me. Lazy gluttons and slow bellies. That's yeah, the same, same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same It's the name unit. of our band, of course. <laughs> um, yeah. That's a bad band name. <laughs> lazy gluttons and slow bellies. Actually, it's funny, though, because right now. In, in chapter one, they mentioned filthy lucre several times, mm-hmm. which is funny because when I was a kid, we used to call, like, as a joke, would yeah, talk yeah, about money like filthy, yeah, lucre. filthy lucre. But mine and Nico's band was actually called yes. lucre. Short-lived band before your other bandmate got deported. <laughs> True, which is a good story for a band. Yeah. Bad story for the bad story for the band. Good story about the a band. Good story about the band. Yeah. yeah, go down in history is what could have been if he hadn't been deported. <laughs> <laughs> Um, were you going to elaborate on your rating? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. There's, yeah, there's nothing to say. Right? Yeah, it's, it's it's fine. All right, let's get into the mailbag. Agreed. Let's crack that bag open. Uh, listener Melanie wrote in to let us know that she is angry that we covered First and Second Timothy together. <laughs> well, we're angry the First and Second Timothy even exist. But I'm we... angry that you didn't cover Titus in the same episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, angry. Melanie. I assume that she's angry we covered them at all. <laughs> <laughs> I assume so as well. Thank you for listening, and we really appreciate your letter. We love you. Our listener Alex wrote in to tell us that before our episode on the Didache. This is our, like, he's written in about uh, Jewish stuff before. He has. Um, He, quote, had only encountered the word Eucharist when he was a child. He says, I would watch my Saturday morning cartoons until the celebration of the Eucharist came on. Wait, what channel is he watching? (laughs) (laughs) Was was David and Goliath on his his Saturday morning cartoons? I don't know. Being about 10... He decided that when the, quote, boring Christian thing came on, it was time to go play outside a sensible choice. Smarter 10-year-old than I was. Interestingly, as an adult, he sees the parallels between the Eucharist and the Jewish tradition of Kiddush, or Kiddush. Kiddush. Depending on how you want to say it. Kiddush in Hebrew. Uh, I've heard Kiddush, mainly. Does that mean something, the the word itself? Uh, Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, it probably means like Does it mean something? Yes. (laughs) Great question. (laughs) Do words mean anything? Maybe. Who knows? He describes it as basically a small snack-like meal after Shabbat services, but includes prayers for giving thanks. Eucharist. Thanksgiving. And ritualistic candle lighting traditionally performed by women. That's great, because women are not part of communion in any, (laughs) like, Christian church. Mm -hmm. I mean, if in Protestantism... If women can be clergy, then they can, like, lead communion, but... They can be in it as participants, right? Partakers uh, of the... Well, yeah, but women can take communion, right. yeah. But, like, anyway, not... I mean, you know, whatever. Anyway, our listener Vicky wrote in <laughs> to suggest that we look at Norse holy texts for season three. 
That would be mm. interesting. That would be. I didn't know there were Norse holy texts, but know. why wouldn't there be? I guess there's like the Edda and stuff. Well, the Eddas, excuse me. Um, she also said <laughs> there's there's a lot of cool stuff in them, and we're unlikely to offend a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, but how many Vikings do you need to offend? Before right. Yeah. There's like nobody left to offend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she also asked us to bless her two dogs, Tesla and Percy. She says, Tesla is a very good boy who loves everyone and has a lot of physical handicaps, so some days are difficult for him, yet he's always happy. Percy comes from a puppy mill and was very sick and nervous as a puppy. He's much better now and learned to love hugs, but still gets scared sometimes and needs all the love he can get. We all get scared sometimes, and we all need all the love we can get. So, Ryan, would you you do the honors of blessing Tesla and Percy? I'm so honored. This spirit he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. There you have it, <laughs> Tesla and Percy. May they, you be they blessed. Every single line. And that will do it for Sunday School Dropouts tonight. Um, before Ryan, we do go... you have an online presence? Nope, I hate the internet. Oh, no, that's but so smart of you. You can <laughs> find Ryan's music under a couple of names because he's both prolific and talented. Could you shut up? I'm trying to plug him. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Can we edit that out in post? <laughs> yeah. We'll replace, no. her, we'll replace her with a better co-host. <laughs> <laughs> we'll replace her with a CGI co-host. A CGI co-host, yeah. Um, yeah, tell us tell us where people can find your music. Uh, so my solo stuff is under Souls and Cities. Um, I have a project in town called uh, Divisor. I also have another project called Better Thief, and another project called Iona Four. Oh um, we're on all the we're on all the streaming places. He's all over Spotify and everything. I think I'll probably take this episode out with a remix that I did of oh, nice. of yeah, yeah. a Divisor track oh, last cool. year. Cool, cool, cool. Um, they have a new record coming out. Sometime soon. Yeah, very soon. And we're trying to get Nico to do another remix for it uh, for us because his remix was we did a remix album after our last album and Nico's track was everyone's favorite. Oh, really? Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because I'm in the studio <laughs> and I didn't just wink. No, but honestly, like everybody loved it because it's amazing. And actually, I was out of town for a gig and they played a version of Nico's remix. A remix as, of his remix? They, they, no, they, they played live a version of his remix at a show that I couldn't be at because I was out of town. Oh, my God. Because they liked it so much. So I'll take that out. You can check it out there. But like he said, Souls and Cities, Divisor, Iona 4, and Better Thieves. Or Better Thief? Better Thief, yeah. Excuse me. One word. Um, You can find us on Twitter at SunSchoolDrop. You can find me on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill. O'Neill spelled with an A like Shaquille spells it. You can find me on Twitter at Nico Bakulich. He's on and Twitter. Probably enough. We bullied him onto it. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. It's terrible. <laughs> are, you, do you, are you okay? I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, if you have dogs that need blesses or cats that need cursing, you can send us photos and stories to contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. That's contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol, not .com. That goes somewhere else that we have no control over. We want to thank Elise Carlton, as always, for our logo and original art. And, of course, I always thank Eco for our music, sound engineering, and editing. Again, a huge thank you to Ryan for his presence and his patience. Yeah. <laughs> My pleasure. And, of course, his missionary efforts in Poland. <laughs> and all the secret handshakes that I'll teach you guys off air. Excellent. We will see you next week on Sunday School Dropouts. My name's Nico. I'm Lauren. And we'll see you on Sunday. Bye. Bye.
Act 4. There's when ice frosts the walls and twines hair loss. My share to the winds that die quickest in the slayer. Fresh death stares amongst pits of skeletons that aren't theirs. Flesh worn rare by frostbite inflicted pain. Shared time served fair. Hold up in the ball of the last rites. Prayer dragged me here. They hunted me down like a baby deer. You didn't see me breaking apart like glass exploding from a shattered mirror. Stone cut stone prisons in the crushed souls inside of a frozen fight in the cape lids tied down on all rock beds all rock beds rotten leaf old boots to feed the condemned that brings more sickness to weaken all of them and we're forced to lie on all Survive when ritual leaves nothing behind. Sent hillside where bodies are offered to the sky. Ceremonial knives scalp the hair. Scavengers take flight. Liver, heart, eyes, leftovers are a bad sign. Trapped, strapped, cracked, skin more red from fighting time. My rotting mind sucking on shirt buttons to stay alive. See the great divide. Last memories of serving what was tried. Try to live when to live is to die. Who knows what prison these sneaky, angry men are planning to keep me inside it? No bread, eat hard rice instead. All rock beds. All rock beds. Stone cover, stone prisons, and the crushed souls inside of them. Frozen, fighting to keep limbs. Lying on all rock beds. Lying on Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.